Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Matea reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Canada Land supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canada Land shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes, like a behind-the-scenes tour of the federal budget lockup, more of Boris Johnson's trip to Canada, and of course, more of us yapping about what's hot in politics right now. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. Jen, I have some bad news. Tell me. This is the last time you're going to hear from us for crowdfunding month. Oh, but everybody loves it when we come to them asking them for money. No, no more fun little things at the end of the show or being cute and funny and asking for money. No more of that. As of December 1st, all done. It just means that we're going to have to send someone to your house if you haven't contributed money to fund the important work being done, like season two of Thunder Bay. We were going to come to you to talk about the pretzel money. My wife has been most insistent about the matter of the pretzel money. <laughs> give us your goddamn pretzel money. Go to patreon.com slash CanadaLand and give us your pretzel money. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Are you using FreshBooks yet? Why not? Track your time, send beautiful invoices, get paid faster. FreshBooks is so useful for small businesses and freelancers. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. Just go to freshbooks.com slash oppo and enter OPPO in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com slash oppo and enter OPPO. This episode is brought to you by WealthBar. This holiday season, why not be generous to your future self? Open an online investing account with WealthBar and sit back and watch your money grow. WealthBar gives you access to the same investment strategies that the fat cat millionaires use, but at fees that are less than half traditional investments. WealthBar has a special offer for Canada Land listeners. If you open an account today, you will get $100 towards growing your money. Just go visit wealthbar.com slash Canada Land. From Canada Land, this is Oppo. I'm Jen Gerson, Minister of Endless Baby Cuddles. And I'm Justin Ling, sitting in Ottawa where everyone keeps yelling at each other. This 
This week, we take a look at the liberal cabinet appointments and dive into the old mailbag to read our listeners' wish list for 2020. Yep, we're looking at all the highs and lows of the new cabinet of the second liberal Justin Trudeau government and figure out who got seriously screwed over. And then we're going to listen to people tell us what they want to see from this parliament after listening to us list 50 things last time around. But first, we need to check in with the latest round of Jen Gerson's Western, meaning Alberta and Saskatchewan, not Manitoba and BC, Alienation Corner. Jen, what's going on in alienation this week? I feel like I've heard of a lot of stuff about an elections commissioner and people have been fi- I have not followed any of this. You, you need to break this down for me. Absolutely. And we'll get a little bit more into the alienation part of this corner later when we talk about the cabinet. So I'm going to like talk instead about what's happening in Alberta. One is Bill 22, which passed on Thursday. Um, this is a crazy bill. So what happened is that in 2018, the NDP government created a whole new office called the Elections Commissioner. And they, they appointed someone by the name of Lauren Gibson, who had a long history in Alberta. He was sort of hated by the old PC government. He um, was the previous elections commissioner from 2006 to 2009. He was a thorn in the government side. He was fired. And then when the NDP st- set up this new office that was sort of parallel to the chief electoral officer. And um, they put Gibson in this new role, which was a really provocative move. So it's not surprising that Gibson, who is like a pretty out there, fearless guy, um, started going after uh, the Jason Kenney leadership campaign. Yeah, you need to remind me of this. I'm, okay. I'm already, I already feel like my, my brain is mush. Your I don't brain is mush. Anything. Okay, so there are two basically uh, scandals that are con- happening concurrently with regards to um, investigations into how Jason Kenney won the UCP leadership. Um, the first is the kamikaze candidate. That is allegations that he recruited someone named Jeff Calloway to run in the leadership campaign as a kamikaze candidate, someone who had no serious intention of running for leader, but was just there to shit on his rival, Brian Jean. Now, that in and of itself isn't illegal. What is illegal was flouting the rules that state that in Alberta, an individual can only donate a maximum of $4,000 per calendar year to any political party or leadership campaign to any political cause. So what happened was, um, and I was one of the people who reported on this initially, was that um, this thing was funded very dubiously. Um, There was a businessman by the name of Robin Lohr who just handed Callaway a $60,000 campaign. And then his campaign basically falsified receipts in order to make it look like his campaign was sort of organically funded by individual donors. And and this is not one of those things where you can kind of go like, oh, we we had no idea. We thought this was perfectly legal. And as a result, the elections commissioner has has, um, fined 15 people, more than $200,000. And that investigation in that office was still ongoing. In addition to that, um, there were some real questions about voting irregularities. And that is my understanding is is, is being investigated by the RCMP. So um, whether or not the people who were signed up to vote for Kenny actually voted for Kenny, or there was just sort of massive fraud. Basically, when I say fraud, I mean, you, you, you collect names and people who can't, are eligible to vote, and then you kind of vote on their behalf. That is obscenely otherworldly illegal. Now, obviously, Bill 22 doesn't affect the RCMP investigation anyway, because the provincial government has no control over the RCMP. But Bill 22 uh, basically collapses Gibson's office and puts it back under the um, aegis of the uh, chief electoral officer. And the UCP has claimed that this isn't 
uh, an attempt to shut down this ongoing investigation into the leadership campaign. No, no, no. This is just about, you know, reducing inefficiencies and, and, and you know, reducing duplication. And that is absolute bullshit. And I know that that's absolute bullshit because there have been rumors that the UCP was going to shut down Gibson literally before they were elected. Uh, so this is a hugely controversial. I, I mean, it's a it's a pretty bullshit, in my opinion, corrupt thing to do. And it, it amazes me. It just amazes me that seven months after the UCP was elected, that they are running this government just like the old PC boys did. I mean, quite literally, there have been more scandals coming out of the Alberta government in the last four months than the Notley government had in the four years. Of course, Nutley's in opposition now. What are the NDP doing here? They're trying to run every single procedural play in the book to tr- to get this um, Bill 22 trounced. Now, of course, the UCP introduced this um, Bill 22 in such a way that it limited debate and was shoved through three readings in one day. Wait, 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 what? Yeah. Three readings in a day? Yeah. Wow, so, okay. No committee? Like, no committee studied it? No, there was, like, no, 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 no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. It, it couldn't be more anti-democratic if you tried. Literally, I, I don't think that's literally conceivably possible on the federal level. Oh, no, no. I don't, like, there's, I, there's no way yeah. you could get away with this. And then at the same time, you have Notley, uh, you know, she's written letters to the lieutenant governor, which is a little bit crazy, basically saying, do what you can to delay the bill or deny dissent. Or, you, this you is crazy. This is not going to work. She's also no. written to the ethics commissioner. The ethics commissioner has responded in a very, very brief sort of opinion and said, yeah, the UCP members who were implicated in any part of this investigation should not be voting on Bill 22 because that Wait, is... Wait, that's actually crazy. Like, that, that is... It's good i think it's actually a good thing that is it's quite a swing for an ethics commissioner but that is like that is that's big but it is but the ethics commissioner has no power beyond that yeah so we're gonna see where that goes whether or not uh the ethics commissioner then investigates any of the mlas who have voted in favor of bill 22 so like this one isn't going away this is absurdly banana republic dodgy and um, it's just amazing. And then that only comes on top of another scandal that happened what? only a couple weeks ago. What? Where, oh, no, this one's great. So when uh, Jason Kenney came to power, he set up an inquiry to look into all these foreign-funded reputational attacks on the province's oil and gas industry. He's hired a guy um, named Steve Allen, who headed the inquiry into the allegations of foreign-funded attacks. And the inquiry has been given like a $2.5 million budget. So what the CBC just came out with is that not 11 days after he was issue, after he was appointed, Allen issues this $905,000 legal contract to a Calgary business room in which his son is a partner. That's not great. Almost a million dollars worth of legal business to an inquiry that's been given a total budget of $2.5 million. There is in-house legal counsel at the government of Alberta, by the way. At this point, Jason Kenney is going to alienate his own fucking province from from himself. I, I, in fact, but what amazes me about all this is the extraordinary arrogance of all of this, because obviously they think that they can just get away with this and that Albertans will just don't give a shit. They're, like, they're just so locked into the anger toward the rest of the country. They're so locked in on the conservatism. They might be right. To me, this is exactly the shit that got the PCs outed in 2015. Don't prove our cynicism right, Alberta. Be appropriately angry. Be appropriately angry and angry at the right people. That's what <laughs> oh, I would say. That'd be a good Apple t-shirt. Yeah, basically, it, look, look, if they get away with this, it's going to be four years of this. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. If you're a freelancer or a small business owner and you're not using FreshBooks yet, well, I don't know what's wrong with you, but it must be something. FreshBooks cloud accounting software makes life so much easier. 
Yeah, you've probably heard me talk about FreshBooks before, but I'm going to talk about it again. It's just that good. I legitimately do use FreshBooks all the time, and it makes my life so much better. The holidays are coming up, and that means you're going to spend way too much money on crap for your children, so you're going to want to get paid. Well, FreshBooks will help you get your cash faster. That's because it tracks your time and then generates very professional-looking invoices. And this is actually true, but when you produce good invoices, clients take you more seriously. Then if your client doesn't pay you, it reminds them for you. So you don't look like you're an annoying jerk. The result is that you get paid faster. Listeners like you can try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. Just go to freshbooks.com oppo and enter OPPO in the how did you hear about us section. That's freshbooks.com oppo and enter OPPO in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, so by the time you're listening to this, we've had a new cabinet for a whole week, and I can only imagine they have fixed everything. Um, but Jen, you know, I think there was a lot of tempered expectations. The liberal government leaked, like, you know, most of the cabinet before they actually appointed it. But I, I think this was actually a pretty interesting cabinet all in all. There was a few surprises. There were some wild demotions that I don't think anyone was expecting. There's some new jobs altogether. And Bill Blair is there. So that's fun. Firstly, I have to say that I find cabinet appointment day and the days leading up to it to be among the most annoying rituals we have in Canadian journalism. It's a bit much. It's gotten a bit much, too. And it all winds up feeling to me like a giant insider gossipy baffle gab. It's like NHL draft day. Exactly, exactly. And to be honest with you, as someone who's not on the inside and doesn't spend a lot of time in Ottawa... I come away going from this going like, I don't fucking care. I've got two other things that really get me about, get me about this is that I'm quite accustomed to seeing bullshit propagandistic titles on budgets and bills. But <laughs> when, yeah. but when we're actually now doing that to cabinet minister portfolios, I'm sorry, Mona Fortier becomes the minister of middle-class prosperity and associate minister of finance. I'm sorry, you've literally created a fake portfolio out of a campaign slogan. I, like, she doesn't even have a ministry. <laughs> this is a joke. But you know you know what that job is, right? I mean, that is an inherently political job. Bill Morneau has done a very not good job of selling the government's middle class tax cuts because listening to uh, Bill Morneau speak, you kind of just imagine like $100 bills falling out of his suit and him not really noticing. You know, the prime minister said on, on Wednesday, their first bill will be a middle class tax cut. And I guarantee you, Mona Forte, the new minister, will be the one selling it, not Bill Morneau. And it means there's another woman in cabinet. So you get to claim that you have a gender-based cabinet. This is just dumb. Many people were rightfully incensed that there was a minister for middle class prosperity, but no minister for those seeking to join it. <laughs> Now, for the first time since 2006, we can introduce you to Canada's Deputy Prime Minister. She's also juggling the tricky intergovernmental affairs portfolio to keep the peace with provinces, Christia Freeland. So many words written about Christia Freeland being Deputy Prime Minister. Um, I, I did bump into the to the Prime Minister uh, at, at, at a cabinet night party, and I'm sure I'm betraying all sorts of off-the-record rules. Um, Do but it. I he, want to hear all about this story. He looked very relaxed. Like He looked too relaxed like he was wearing like just a, a shirt and jeans um and like they were rolled up and he was just like having a good time and i was not having it i was like prime minister you look too relaxed i need you to be like 40 or 50 percent like more stressed out right now and he laughed and he said no no no, no, no. why why should i i just appointed christia freeland deputy prime minister i don't have a job anymore and <laughs> and i was like oh wow actually you know there's there is some truth to that. I mean, he just split his own job. I actually think Christia Freeland's going to be half running the country now. And you know what? I'm not even sure that that's a bad idea. <laughs> oh, no. Honestly, 
good idea. Like, you know, uh, I, I as I've said on the show before, I have always loved the idea of having co-leaders of, of political parties. Christina Freeland's basically the co-prime minister now, and we could do worse. I, and also, I think this might set her up to potentially replace Trudeau. I think that's absolutely what it is. If you are a liberal who's starting to be a bit concerned that Trudeau is more of a liability than an asset, this is a smart idea to hedge your bets. There was a huge problem in the last parliament for the liberals in that if if something horrible happened, I mean, like, you know, some horrible scandal you know, knocked him out of office, like SNC-Lavalin got out of hand, there was no one to replace yeah. him. I mean, yeah. Ralph Goodale couldn't have done it. I mean, Ralph was a very capable operator, but he's not a prime minister. Um, Christie was out of the country the whole damn time. And I think that got a lot of liberals nervous. And now they're going... Oh, thank God. I think it's interesting that she's been put into intergovernmental affairs, obviously, as a Westerner. Um, that's an attempt to ease some tensions. I mean, I don't think that there's anything Justin Trudeau himself can do at this point to no. ease separatist sentiment. So you need to put someone else in that in that role and in that file. I was there for the whole uh, rigmarole of the Kavanaugh unveiling and the, the scrums. But one thing the spinners kept pointing to was that Christia Freeland was born in Alberta, I, you know. Every single minister who had any connection to the West got in front of the microphone and made sure to play up, I was born in Alberta. I went to school in Saskatchewan. No, they didn't put Nehid Nenshi in as Western Affairs Minister. Nehid Nenshi was there to, to address Western. And, you know, I, I know a lot of conservatives have real issues in Alberta, have real issues with Nehid Nenshi. But you know what? You know, if you want to put someone in front of the prime minister who the prime minister will actually listen to, who has yeah. a really solid understanding of the issues out here and actually has a bead on how pissed off people are, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Nahid Nenshi. He is a very yeah. articulate, very intelligent defender of Western interests. And I think that yeah. he is underrated in Alberta for that skill set. I will say, generally speaking, they didn't seem terribly convinced with, with kind of kowtowing or, or making kissy eyes at the West. I mean, the fact that they put a, a Newfoundlander, a Newfoundlander Labradorian, in the natural resources job, Seamus O'Regan, that is, that is a hell of a move. Um, yeah, so every conservative I've talked to dislikes Seamus O'Regan. Yeah, they really hate him. <laughs> they, they really, really do. hate him. So I, 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 I've heard some different phrases on this. I mean, the general beef around Seamus O'Regan is that he's just, he seems to be Trudeau's worst minister and he's been put into, for the West, is the most important cabinet post, that is natural resources. You know, he doesn't really have a CV of note. He's, you know, a former journalist, which is, I mean, no disrespect for us, but I wouldn't put us in cabinet. Oh, God, no. You know, he's uh, spoken out against the energy sector. Uh, you know, he's a Newfoundlander, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. A lot of Newfoundlanders are in Alberta, so there's like a, a logical connection there. Yeah. He's just the least competent person you could put in this file as i think the uh, i think is the is the uh general takeaway from the west on this one i don't think the concern is is super warranted i mean um Seamus is not a, a minister that i i cover extensively he's been given some tough jobs he was kind of a disaster at veterans affairs my understanding he was a disaster at indigenous services so it's hard to not be a disaster at veterans affairs veterans affairs that's is fair that's a poison chalice it's the impossible job yeah um i actually think that he probably got through veterans affairs with a little bit less outrage than than others. I mean, the, the outrage that he experienced in Veterans Affairs has been sort of a lingering outrage the way the government has dealt with, um, you know, disability with injury and with uh, pensions for those who served, which is a just a constant problem that, that needs fixing. It's not really his fault 
he's probably going to handle it better. Um, and indigenous services, I don't, I, you know, again, almost an impossible job. Um, so, so uh, the, can, but the, but the common theme here is that Trudeau keeps on putting O'Regan into like the impossible jobs. But it, it's but it's also places where you prove yourself. And actually, you know, I I don't know. How many I'm chances not, does he get to prove himself exactly? But I don't think he's totally failed. I mean, this is this is part of the thing. Um, you know, what in your view, what did he do so bad at indigenous services? Uh, I mean, I'm just re- repeating. I don't think anyone can actually say him. it's one of yeah. those things where it's like I haven't noticed that the world has changed. Therefore, you've done a terrible job. Right. And honestly, a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. He's put his foot in his mouth a handful of times. He he is bad for, for, for hitting, you know, the old gaff gong. The old gaff gong. What this does tell me is that if you have one minister who you're consistently putting into these files where he has the opportunity to prove himself, as in they're absolutely deadly files, and you've now put him into Minister of Natural Resources, that tells me that Trudeau perceives this file as being unwinnable. No, I would, I would flip that. I would actually say it's quite likely the prime minister looked at Seamus O'Regan's time at Indigenous Services and said, actually, things were improving. And actually, to hear Seamus O'Regan talk about this job yesterday was really interesting. You know, you could tell he thought long and hard about, you know, the optics here might not go in my favor. The fact that you put someone from the East into a job that so significantly impacts the West does feel like a bit of a fuck you. Seamus O'Regan gets in front of the microphone, asks this question and, and says, Newfoundland and Labrador is the third largest oil producing province. Newfoundland and Labrador is actually more dependent on oil and gas royalties than Alberta is. So I have no choice to make sure it's my top priority. Many people in our province rely on this work and know what it's like to be unemployed. We recognize that problem from the West as well. And many people from Newfoundland and Labrador have gone to work in the oil sands in Alberta and Saskatchewan. So our fates are kind of intertwined. And that's a pretty fucking good answer. That is honestly. a very good answer. It is a good answer. What or, or what it could mean is that, look, if this is going to be the guy who you continually throw under the bus on files that you can't win, he's just expecting yeah. to fuck over this file and screw over the West and Seamus is going to be the one who eats it. Yeah, I don't think that's what it is, but I, I wouldn't blame people for taking that read on it as well. The Honorable Dominique Leblanc, President of the Queen's Privy Council for Canada. Dominic LeBlanc, I, this is this is the the most wonky of all of these cabinet picks because no one knows what the fuck this job is. I don't know what this job is. President of the Queen's Privy Council. So first off, Dominic LeBlanc is not well. Uh, if you watched the cabinet swearing in last week, um, he you know he he's he's battling leukemia. He showed up in a face mask. Evidently, still um, you know his immune system still compromised. He had a shaved head. He he looked frail. He like I barely recognized him when I first saw him. Um, he's on the mend. It looks like he's you know he's he's heading for a full recovery, which is great. But he's he's not 
currently a well man, so a full cabinet post I don't think was in the cards for him. Most uh, previous ministers have held uh, various other jobs on top of this. The president of the Queen's Privy Council is is sort of um, this this catch-all job that's supposed to figure out operations and um, you know manage uh, the way in which the government agenda gets set out in the House of Commons. Not quite like the government house leader, but sometimes those jobs are married. Um, there's some element of it actually managing the Privy Council office, but it's not quite the president of the Treasury Board. But it's obvious that this prime minister has, um, you know, a concept of kind of carving this new niche out uh, just for Dominic LeBlanc. So it's it's, it's a make work job. Not quite. So I was speaking to some of the liberal prime minister's office spinners um, after we got the cabinet list. And I, I, I said exactly what you said. Like, what, the, what the fuck is this job? And their answer was basically, OK, uh, point one, he has to manage the Senate. Um, the government seems to be increasingly frustrated with the problem that they themselves caused in the Senate by having all of these independent senators in a, in a variety of different groups. I was speaking to a certain senior liberal who works on the Senate side of things who told me that they were not sure whether or not the tanker ban bill and the pipelines bill would actually pass the Senate up until when the vote happened. Like, they legitimately didn't know whether or not these crucial pieces of government policy were going to get killed or not until the last vote was counted, and which is just a wild way to run a country. And it's only going to get worse now that we're in a minority parliament. Now that you know there is going to be more amendments to bills, there's going to be more opposition bills that get passed, what happens in the Senate is anyone's fucking guess. And there's a higher chance the Senate starts introducing more bills and passing them into the House, hoping the opposition uh, carries them. So oh, yes! It's, it's, it's going to be, be amazing! Wild. So <laughs> having a person almost dedicated to just managing the relationship in the Senate pretty important because they actually tried to avoid that last time around and it, it bit them in the ass. Um, uh, beyond that, uh, Dominic LeBlanc is going to be chairing the operations uh, cabinet committee, which is going to be kind of managing the agenda, figuring out um, you know, what is priority and what's not for this mandate. So that's actually a, a pretty important job. It's sort of like the boss of, of cabinet in a way. The other part of Dominic LeBlanc's mandate is going to be democratic reform because if you've noticed, democratic institutions was eliminated as a specific cabinet post in this government. I asked this certain PMO staffer whether this means that Dominic LeBlanc will also be responsible for ensuring that 2015 is the last election held under the first past the post electoral system. And I was told, maybe. Uh, so so that's uh, fun. Let's never stop this merry-go-round. Let's all... <laughs> I'm looking forward so, to it. So Dominic LeBlanc is going to be responsible for democracy in, in general, though I, I think re- reform is probably too, too generous a word. So I don't know. In, important job. I, Patricia Haidu, do solemnly and sincerely promise and declare that I will truly and faithfully and to the best of my skill and knowledge execute the powers and trust proposed in me as Minister of Health. Patty Haidu is now Health Minister, so you're welcome. The oppo bump uh, works <laughs> works again. Um, we uh, have talked on the show a bunch about drug policy, the opioid crisis, drug decriminalization. Um, there are some experts out there who are relatively excited about Haidu's appointment. They do see her as an ally on harm reduction. Uh, I asked her pointedly about you know the opioid crisis uh, last week. Many experts say decriminalization is the way to go. Will you entertain that idea? 
I think that there is no one simple solution to the opiate crisis. And as I said before, I think uh, one of the things that I would like us to do as a country is look at this more holistically. I think, of course, you know, the crisis of using substances and treatment and access to a safe supply are all critical con uh, considerations when you're talking about substance use. But so are things like ensuring that every child has a fair chance at success, so that we're actually doing prevention measures as a government to prevent less people from uh, falling behind and in, in increasingly uh, experiencing you know, mental health disorders. Her response was interesting, non-committal, but interesting. So, I mean, she's someone to watch in terms of uh, next steps in, in harm reduction and drug policy and, and maybe finally ending the failed war on drugs. Don't hold your breath, but, you know. Interesting to watch. I mentioned Francois-Philippe Champagne, who's who's headed to foreign affairs. Um, there's been a lot of skepticism about Champagne because he seems to be a Jean Chrétien acolyte. And, of course, Chrétien has been uh, exceedingly friendly with the Chinese. So I think that a lot of people are watching to see um, whether or not this is going to lead to Canada capitulating on the China file. I, I think Champagne is an interesting figure, but he's not a, a tall tower in this cabinet, right? Um, in international trade, he didn't really do much. Um, I think moving him to uh, foreign affairs minister was just a safe kind of like slight upgrade. They didn't want to risk putting somebody else in there. He's a good communicator. I don't think this government has grand priorities on the world stage for the next however many years they're going to be in yeah. power. It, 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 it could indicate a total retreat on that file. Like we're just going to worry about our own internal issues. Yeah, and I think China is going to be largely managed by um, the Foreign Service. It's going to be difficult to not to not take stands on China, particularly as we see what's happening in, in Hong Kong, though. Oh, it's going to be difficult, but they're going to manage to not take a stand on it. <laughs> I am very confident that they have that skill set. I mean, we're 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 a couple of weeks away from a Tiananmen like stand down in Hong Kong, and things are going to get very likely to get very bloody there. I, I think it's going to be very cowardly if Canada continues to ignore it. I wouldn't expect too, too much from, from this foreign affairs minister. Let's expect nothing from him. And I know you're going to have lots to say about Bill Blair and public safety, Justin. Oh, you know what? I actually don't have that much to say. I think I said a lot of it on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, I think the main thing I have to say is, fuck. I got to ask Bill Blair just sort of how he expects to win people over. A lot of people would identify your record with, of course, the G20 protests in Toronto, with the use of carding, um, which predominantly affected uh, racial minorities in the city. Um, how will you convince people that you will be a public safety minister that does uphold the balance the prime minister talks about uh, between security and, and civil liberties? Well, I would simply point out that for 39 years I was responsible for in policing in the city of Toronto and for 10 as the chief of police. I've dedicated the majority of my my adult life to keeping people safe and 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 I will bring that experience to my new new role but I have always remained committed to upholding the rule of law and in particular the highest law of the country the charter of rights and freedoms he sort of said listen I'm a cop I've been a cop for a long time I keep people safe civil liberties they're great too don't worry about it not a not an encouraging answer by any stretch Ralph Goodale is 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 no raving socialist, but he managed to walk the line on just about every initiative. Not that the middle ground is necessarily a good thing or a, a goal they should always strive for, but he found a middle ground that that did balance both sides with relative effectiveness. Um, I don't know that Bill Blair can balance things those that way, and I'm not sure this government wants him to. The country is currently facing an uptick in gun violence. 
you know, guns uh, as a policy item have been you know top of mind for the Liberal Party for quite some time. Um, you know, there is an ongoing debate about what we do with uh, the foreign fighters who have been detained as as ISIS combatants in Syria and Iraq. Um, I don't think the government is looking for balance on those issues. I think they're looking for a tough cop to come in and fix it. And yeah. I think that's what we're going to get. Well, and that, that'll that really steal the thunder of some traditional issues for the uh, conservatives, obviously. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they're looking for. So that's the most interesting things about the cabinet. We'll come back uh, maybe next week and, and really break down the whole roster of parliamentary secretaries, Jen. Excellent. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No one gives a fuck. No one gives a shit about the parliamentary secretaries. This episode is also brought to you by Wealthbar. The holidays are coming up, so you should probably do your Christmas shopping already. But you know what? This holiday season, why not be a little more generous to someone that maybe you don't think about enough? Your future self. Wealthbar makes great investing ridiculously easy. You can open up an RRSP or a tax-free savings account online and then just sit back and watch your money grow. Seriously, you don't even have to change out of those festive footy pajamas. This is one less thing you'll have to shop for this season. With ETF portfolios and exclusive investments that were once available only to millionaires, Wealthbar will pair you with the portfolio that will put you on track for your future goals. With demonstrated performance, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Literally. Wealthbar manages and balances your portfolio for you, so your money stays on track effortlessly. And with fees that are less than half the cost of traditional investments, your money grows faster with Wealthbar. That's a great Christmas gift to future you. Contribute to your Wealthbar RRSP before the February 29th deadline, and you'll also be gifting yourself a bigger tax return. Right now, Wealthbar has a special offer just for Canada Land listeners. Open an account online, and you'll get $100 towards growing your money. Start investing online in minutes at wealthbar.com slash CanadaLand. So apparently we asked for a wish list from Oppo listeners, and we've actually received some really great suggestions. If you listened to the last episode, you heard the the 50 things we want to see from the 43rd Parliament. Um, uh, these are all the things that they want to see from uh, both Parliament and from us. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, from Mildred Thrill. Sorry, that is a great name. Mildred Thrill. You've got a fantastic name. That's like a, a you know a dangerous athletics bus driver name. I love no, it. No, no, it's it sounds it sounds like your grandmother who does parachuting. Anyway, from Mildred Thrill. One. Less profanity and oppo. I think that's but, fair, Justin. I think we probably do swear too much. I, I love swearing. I don't I understand what people's fucking problem is with swearing. I mean, I don't know. Don't play it around your kids. We, you know, we don't actually intend to do it as much as you'd think. This is legitimately how I talk. It's not for shock value. We literally, I just swear this often. All right, Justin, I'm going to let you take the next one because I have, I'm going to go off on a rant on it. They're just directly responding to our list from last week. Uh, number two, less talk of nuclear power as though it were a sensible solution. It is a sensible solution. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is something that drives me crazy. If you're talking about sensible in the sense that, you know, it will require significant infrastructure funding and R&D and all sorts of things like that, yes, there are definitely some challenges there. But there's a nuclear power plant in Pickering. It powers Toronto. And if you are looking to reduce greenhouse gas emissions or you think that climate change is an existential threat to humankind, then I'm sorry, but electricity generation is your lowest hanging fruit here and nuclear is our most sensible option. And the people who oppose it on environmental grounds are people who actually aren't usually up on the on the science and the latest research or have just yep. read watched Chernobyl a few too many times without understanding the underlying ethic of the show, which is that this couldn't possibly happen in a liberal goddamn democracy. I'm sorry, Dr. Thrill, to uh, totally just throw this back in your face. 
it. But maybe we should do a, a whole segment on nuclear power. I think that would be a fun enlightening. I, I feel like I could learn a lot more. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Number three, right. more discussion about soil preservation and regener- regenerative management. I love this idea. Super. Okay. Yeah. I'm back on Thrill's side. You go, Dr. Thrill. I've decided they have a PhD. Uh, number four, less stupid mudslinging. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I don't no, know. I, I, stupid I, I mudslinging like is kind of funny sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like we generally try to avoid uh, personal mudslinging. I mean, it's... Yeah, we don't, you know, we, we don't do that. Try to. Okay. Yeah. Number five, more respect for Elizabeth May, who actually does know what she's talking about. I would say, yeah, kind of, uh, except when she goes off on the crazy side. She occasionally has, like, very strong theories about how things are that is not factually how things are. 80% of the time, she does know her files pretty cold. I like having her in Parliament. I've always liked having her in Parliament. I have a lot of time for Elizabeth May. Everybody likes Elizabeth May. Okay, the next letter is from uh, Kara Brideau. Uh, she writes, uh, Stop messing around with clean water for Indigenous communities, and can we stop the homophobic ban on blood donations from the LGBTQ plus communities? All stuff that they promised the last election. Also, it would be nice if we stopped selling military equipment to the Saudis. Yeah. I agree with those things. Um, from Sarah Jacob. Universal Pharmacare across the country, real money into municipal, county, regional, provincial, and co-op housing, including construction of modern rooming houses, and employment insurance monies collected from part-time workers spent on part-time workers. No diversion of premiums for any other government expenditures. Uh, I am a tiny bit skeptical about putting federal money into co-op housing. Oh, I am Um, not. I am so for it. Literally, the only reason we have housing stock in this country is because a government agency, which is now basically reverted into just underwriting mortgages, built a bunch of houses for veterans who are coming back from the Second World War. That's the only reason we have any medium density housing in this in this fucking country. I think that that is an insane position, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to move on. Employment insurance money is collected from part-time workers spent on part-time workers. No diversion of premiums for any other government expenditures. Um, I could get behind this, but I need to do more research on it. That sounds like an interesting idea. Actually, it's it's a very, very, very good point. Um, part-time workers pay into the EI system extensively and often don't see the benefits. Um, previous governments have been notorious for raiding the EI fund to pay for other election promises and have gotten pretty close to bankrupting the system in the past. Um, that is largely stopped. Stephen Harper simultaneously stopped the practice and also abused it worse than anybody else. So the yeah, double-edged sword. Uh, Sarah, that is a very good point. I, I like Sarah. Sarah, you're, you're good people. I, I like Sarah, too. Sarah's good. No, I like her. No. I like all of our listeners. I like all of these ideas. I think right. that we, they've actually given us some good ideas for future shows. So if you have more ideas for future shows like this, please uh, send them to us. That is it for Oppo this week. Tell us what you think. We do actually love your comments, even if we occasionally make fun of them. Email oppo at canadalandshow.com or tweet at us at oppocast. And go like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like us, rate us and leave a review. Maybe we'll even read them on air. Quote, I did not find this edition of your podcast very enjoyable. I felt that both hosts were very disrespectful. I didn't find it useful when you were so derogatory towards the governing party. Like it or not, the Liberals won, and I think you should be a bit more supportive. (laughs) No, Jen, stop. I gotta get through this. This is the type of talk that divides, not unites. I usually enjoy your opinions, but this episode was bad. From Vermilla. No, we are going to be derogatory toward the governing party, whether the governing party is the liberals, the conservatives, the Green Party, anyone. I will be derogatory toward anyone I goddamn well please to be. Yes. This episode was produced by Laura Howells and David Crosby. 
Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton, and theme music is by Nathan Burley. A reminder that this is crowdfunding month, so please go to patreon.com slash CanadaLand and throw in a few extra bucks a month. I have the last word this week, and that word is comforting. Something I don't want to be to the governing party. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.